Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Hello everyone, welcome to Social Vision. In today's episode, we continue our discussion of the Communist Manifesto in the time of class struggle. All right, we're back in the house again, brother. Welcome back. Yes, yes, sir. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I, I'm I'm so tired, Carl, that I forgot to read the, the rest of the goddamn introduction. <laughs> but anyway, for those who might be listening live, uh, this is the 90-minute discussion. And so if you're listening live, you can call at 347-857-1319. So, uh, Man, it's been a long day, dude. I've been at it. Oh yeah. I, uh, oh yeah. Yeah, my my, my to do list. I've I've knocked off about eighteen different things on my to do list today. So you know, just been busy. Shit, been totally busy. But uh, you know, great yeah. to be back this week. Oh. And I want to I want to give a shout out to um, another blog, a progressive blog talk show called uh, Carson's Corner with Bob Carson and, and this guy and another, uh, I guess you have to have a co-host like us. And they talk, you know, pop progressive politics. And they do a lot of talking about some of the current uh, political issues with Trump and other, and other issues related to that. So it's a little, and I think it's different, a little bit different from ours since we more get more kind of the theory stuff. And, and we also mix in the current too, but they, they're really focused on a lot of the current issues. And so I want to invite our listeners to, Check them out on Blog Talk, Carson's Corners. You can you can do a uh, uh, um, what do you call it a a, a a search within Blog Talk to do that. And um, I also want to remind our listeners, archive listeners especially, that um, to um, that you can subscribe to Blog Talk, uh, subscribe to our show on Blog Talk. And if you go on on Blog Talk and look and look up the uh, Socialist Visions, the name. You can subscribe using your Facebook and or your or your Twitter account, so you don't have to create a, a brand new uh, account on Blog Talk. You can use uh, your Facebook or your Twitter to to register. And then when you follow us, you know, you'll see a follow button on our page. When you follow us, you'll get uh, some of the show notes that I put out um, uh, after the show. So after the show, I try to copy and paste some of the the notes that Carl and I uh, come up with and, and just paste it in there. Um, unfortunately, uh, in, in the email, they don't, for some reason, they don't break the content up into paragraphs. So it's not a lot of notes, but just like, you know, some books that we reference and things like that that I put in for people who follow us. So, uh, again, I don't have a lot of time to do much more than that right now, but uh, I figure, you know, if you're following us, we would, uh, you know, want to give you something in return for that. 
So if you're not following us, please do that. That, that really helps out. Uh, eventually, we want to be able to to go to some of the um, book progressive book publishers and ask them to sponsor the show. And, and if we can show that we have a lot of followers and downloads, and, you know, archive downloads, uh, they'd be more likely to, to uh, you know, sponsor a show. And that would save us some money because <laughs> we live in <laughs> – brother, we live in capitalism, brother. ain't shit free, That's man. Right. Nothing's free. That's right. Nothing's free. Nothing's free. You know what, hey, Carl, I did, a, I did a thing on Twitter. I said, tell me one thing that is free in capitalism. Tell me one thing. You know, mm-hmm. and somebody says, well, love. And I knew somebody was going to say that shit, <laughs> love. I knew you were going to say it, Carl. Because they know it ain't. Because when you get with your honey boo and you all in love, right, you're going to want to go out to dinner, okay? You're going to want to you're gonna want to do a wedding or whatever it is. In order for you to do something with that person, it's going to cost you money. So, yes, to love somebody may be free. But to act on that love, Carl, to act on that love, it's going to cost you money, brother. You know, you know what I'm saying? So ain't nothing right. free. You know what I mean? Yeah, ain't not, nothing free under capitalism. So That's right. anyway, just just a little, just a little, 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 a little aside there, you know. But uh, for our our Cal listeners, uh, last week we we're going to do kind of a three part series. Cause, Carl, I see we're not going to get through this pamphlet in no two parts. I know that. So, That's right. Um, so, in our last show, um, we we kind of talked about the history of the manifesto. Carl gave a good uh, uh, kind of history of, of uh, how the Communist Manifesto, where it came out of, what time period it came out of, and what you know what influenced what influenced it. And then we kind of went into the opening. Uh, I don't think we got any more than like seven pages of the thing, but talked about you know the opening of. The manifesto and and the the, the uh, what is the bourgeois class and what is the proletariat class, and then we kind of got into you know what the role of property, which is which we were going to talk about some more, the role of prop property under capitalism, and then one of our one of our uh, callers called in, a uh, John will call in and talked about the issue of the right to work laws, uh, which are basically. Um, you know, it sounds like a, it's like, you know, the right to work, everybody should have the right to work, which they should. But really what the right to work laws is about is uh, workers not having to join a union. So if you were you work, if you if, if it's union, if there's a union there, you should be able to have the right to opt out of that. And, uh, of course, for the left, that's bullshit because, you know, the, the unions are the only protection you have. It's the only buffer you have between you. And the, those who own your labor, right? And a lot of people don't want, not a lot of people, but some people don't want to go into a union because, oh, shit, that's just more, that's just more money coming out of, my, out of my check. You know, and I totally get that. You know, you want to have all the money you can, but you know what? You need, to, you need to pay those union dues because that's the only difference between you and those who work, those who own you. And I say own you. I don't say just own the means of production. They own your ass. They own you for eight hours, 40 hours a week. Matter of fact, some people be on you fucking light because if you're working for that, that company for, you know, 5, 10, 20, 30 years, you know, they own you and, and, and they have taken up a, a considerable amount of your, of your life and your family's life, right? And they can let you go at any time. And if you ain't got no union, well, uh, bye-bye. You know, they don't, they don't have no – when you have a CEO, 
CEOs get service packages. We all know about this. They get huge service packages. Some of them don't work in nothing but a year, and they might they might leave with a service. Uh, what do you call it? A, what do you call it? A, what kind of package is that again? A, a oh, oh, golden parachute. Yeah. Oh, yeah. golden parachute service package. Mm-hmm. They they get out. So when when they either when they're fired, this is their contract. When they either they're fired, or they want to leave, or they're not getting the company the kind of the kind of uh, you know market share that they they want, or whatever the reason is, they have a severance package. That's what it is, a severance package, and it can be up into millions and millions of dollars, right? Now, when your ass leaves, working class, when we work and we leave a company, <laughs> you don't get that. You might get some uh, unemployment benefits, maybe. You'll get some unemployment benefits, and that's not provided by the company per se. That's that's provided by the government, and the company has to pay into it. But believe me, it ain't nowhere near what a CEO gets or sometimes management gets when they are sometimes even fired or quit or whatever. So, you know, the the number of unions has lessened because of ever since back to Reagan, the, the attack on the union, you know, there's less and less uh, workers in, in unions these days, um, and that's the reason why the, union, the, the workers don't have a lot of power. They don't have, they don't have a lot of power, and to me, if you had working class consciousness, you would be down for calling for a union. That's the reason why the service workers, uh, the one that Jumbo talked about, the uh, which one is it? SEIU. Yeah, SEIU. Service employees in the international union, yes. Right, and they're the largest because guess what? Most most working class people now, what we call the proletariat, are in the service sector, not in the uh, manufacturing sector. Most of your asses is service shit. Okay, so back in the day, when you were in the union, you worked in the manufacturing, and even now, when you have manufacturing, you know it was clear about what your role was. You know what I mean? You you produce the car, you produce uh, widgets, you produce whatever, right? And that company made money off of you. Now, when you're in the service sector, it's a little bit of a blending there, you know, because you can be doing a certain job, but you don't really know exactly how your income is tied to what you produce because everybody's doing something, you know, it's, it's, it's real fluid, if you will. So, but most people these days are into the service sector, right? Those jobs are like a lot of them clerical, a lot of them are you know, making phone calls, a lot of them are producing content, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, it's pushing paper. You know, you're in a cubicle for the all fucking day. You're still part of the proletariat class, though. Don't, 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 get, don't get it twisted. You're still part of the proletariat class, but that, uh, the notion of the proletariat class is broadened since Mark, where you don't, you know, you, you're not just, um, you know, on a, on a factory floor, you know, and, and, and that's, that's even less and less now. So we have to broaden our notion of what the working class is. Am I right there, Carl? That's right. That's right. We do have to expand the notion of what a proletariat and the working class in general. I mean, I think most people have historically and largely do because um, their relationship to production was a lot clearer and sharper in, in, in the 1800s uh, relative to today. But um uh, then it was the working class and principally the industrial working class. Um, the service sector had not was very small, very minuscule. Um, 
uh, and uh, either connected to, um, you know, petty bourgeois kind of um, middle class kind of life or existence. That has fundamentally changed because of the high productivity that requires the enormous amount of servicing and, and also uh, because of high productivity and high concentration. Whenever, let me give you an example. You don't even have to take the example of manufacturing. Let's take the example of just in banking. In, in, in the early periods of banking, when it came in, came on the scene um, in a in a major way um, in the uh, 1800s, um, so, uh, particularly in the 1800s, uh, during the farming period, uh, early 1800s and late 1700s. During the farming period, there was an explosion of uh, local banks thousands and thousands of little local banks and um they were run by men and men was the clerk and it was a very professional feel um when um jp morgan and and a number of them began to consolidate a lot of these banks and today we have huge massive consolidation where there are a few banks and investment banks that control most of the banks they have to be serviced by a lot of people to manage the, the the capital that comes through a lot of these banks. So the because of concentration and high productivity with use of computers and and telecommunication and things like that, it it, it created more, it requires more people to service these things as they break down, as to manage, as to make sure it it, hap, it, it you know what needs to happen. You don't need hundreds of people posting anymore. You don't you only need you know, maybe one person, in some cases none, but the machine breaks down. So you gotta make sure it gets inputted correctly and serviced and managed uh, correctly. So the mushroom of the service sector has transformed the, uh, both the nature of work but also transfer transform what does the working class is and who they are and the proletariat, um and particularly the mm-hmm. proletariat. And who is going to be the most conscious most militant of the working class um, that will serve as the proletariat for a fundamental change. That is what's taking place today. So we need, and in America, relative to the rest of the world, America is oftentimes, when they think of the working class, it was only the white, pot belly, hard hat looking guy um, uh, working class. That became the, the image of what people think with the working class until many, until so today, people think that's what the working class. That's not uh, it anymore. Most of the time, they're wearing blue jeans, tennis shoes, and t- you know, and a t-shirt, working someplace, servicing someplace. Uh, whether they have to wear a uniform type uh, thing in a, in, a, in a hospital or uh, or, or Burger King or or uh, Kmart, um, but at the end of the day, they're still uh, they own. Uh, they don't own capital. They don't own wealth. They don't own anything. They have to work for somebody. They live from paycheck to paycheck, and their entire survival is dependent upon reaching to the next paycheck. And what they do in terms of their intellectual and service gets transferred to that uh, machine or that service or that industry, which monetizes it and, and exploits it and only pays them what they believe just enough to, for them to survive and to reproduce. So I think that is what we really have to keep in mind when we think of an expansive notion of what a working and, and, class. And one of the, and, you know, and one of the things that, um, you know, Marx talked about was that the proletariat is, is, the, is the leading revolutionary. The, the, and the reason why he says that is like 
that revolution is going to come about is because the proletariat brings it about. And, and that, it really makes sense because let's just be clear that those are in a union, a, a organized, unionized proletariat that is working class, that is anybody who works and sells their labor. If you are in an organized union that is really working on your behalf, you are you know, actively a participant in that, that makes you a stronger worker than, than somebody who's not, than somebody who works for him, him or herself or somebody who works, even if you're a professional. You know, I'm, I have, there, there are people in professional class that don't have protections, right? I mean, my wife is a doctor. She doesn't have, she doesn't have protections. She really doesn't, right? I mean, she has protections in terms of the money, the money she makes, but she, in, terms of, in terms of her, her, her working-class condition, she doesn't have protection. So the, 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 when we have workers who are organized into unions and organized into political parties, right, you have a stronger base in which to, to, um, to, in which to uh, confront capitalism, right? So that, you know, that's the reason why they, capitalism and the bourgeois parties, bourgeois political parties, uh, thought to dismantle the power of unions, and this is this is this is continuously happening. Ajamu from SEIU, when he talked about he can call in last, we talked about this too. So understand, you have to understand your power, and we we've we've lost that working class consciousness, and that's the reason why we don't have the kind of power that we have. That's the reason why you don't see no union representation in Congress. You don't see in 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 forty five uh, cabinet no union representation there. They're all bourgeoisie. They're all people from the uh, from from Wall Street. You know, people who are billionaires. That's the reason why they're up there in the representation of you, right? You might have some some lobbyists that go, definitely not maybe, but you have lobbyists that go to 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 D.C. and lobby on behalf of workers, right? But they don't have the representation in Congress, right? <laughs> not at all. Not at all. Um, let's get let's get to the manifesto because this is a good segue to the manifesto. Because we we barely made it back. I said past page eleven, but let me. He says on page eleven, these are the document that I have, the book that I have. He says, no sooner is the exploitation of the laborer, the worker, by the manufacturer, those who own the labor, so far at um, so far at end at end that he received his wages in cash. Then he is set upon by other portions of the bourgeoisie. That is the landlord, the, or the person who, <laughs> the bank, the bank who owns your fucking house, or the people who right. you rent from, the shopkeeper, the pawnbroker, and your cable provider. Okay? <laughs> right. so, now, you're talking about back in the day, he's using manufacturing. Listen, it's almost any, but I don't give a fuck if you're working at McDonald's or if you're working at Walmart, okay? Right, you get your paycheck, and you're like, "Oh shit, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm ready. I got some money now, right?" I'm feeling you know, good. You, you see, you feeling good. No, you got to turn right back around, and you got to take right. that paycheck, and you got to divvy it up. You got to pay your rent, your cable right. bill, your phone That's bill, right. right? And all these, all the people you're paying for, they richer than your asses, right? Huge <laughs> richer than you. <laughs> and then you go, you got to do all that. So inadvertently, what you do is, this is what you do. You, you, the bourgeois class pays you your paycheck, and guess what you do? You give it right back to the class, the bourgeois class. 
That's, that's, what, you, right. that's what we all do. It ain't just you. I do it too. Carl do it too. Right? That's right. You see? So, and, and even if, even if say, well, I'm a state worker. Okay, you're a state worker. I get that. So the state worker, that means that you're getting paid off the taxes of people. People always talk about, well, we don't like big government. Yeah, about fucking how many, how many people, what percentage of people in this country probably are working for uh, uh, the state or federal job, uh, Carl? A, 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 a significant amount, right? Right, right, right. And so, 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 so if your ass got a job working for the state or federal government, you got money coming from taxes, homie, all right? But anyway, the fact of it is, is wherever your money's coming from, you put it right back into the bourgeois class. If you if you if you got a loan, a bank loan, right back, and you paying payments of that, back to the bourgeois class. Well, they're saying, well, that's just a loan. I'm just they gave me some money. No, motherfucker. What happened was is that you took the loan out, and you know you're behind on the loan, or you know that you you're paying more than the principal, you're paying interest. So maybe they helped you at the beginning, but they know you're going to get behind, or they know they're going to charge you interest, so you're paying on that, right? All of us got to take that check. And it goes right back into the bourgeois class, the class who who owns your labor, who owns even even the money that that you that they, that they that that you borrowed, right? Owns some of the the things that you buy your car, your house note, right? Your your cable your cable uh, uh bill whatever. So so really they're always making money off of you. That's the reason why I try to tell my daughter, call you got to learn how to budget because if you're late on a payment. If you if you're paying high interest rate, then you're making the bourgeois class much more richer, right? And they love for you to be late on your payment. They love for you to be in debt because that way they can they can garner more money from your ass, right? So every time you late, just be clear. Every time you late on a payment, every time you got to pay interest on your on your uh, on your credit card and shit like that, that means you're paying for somebody else's vacation. Somebody else's uh, mansion, right? Somebody else's, you know, wealth. All right, what do we do? And it's, inter- right? it's an interesting thing too, because the banks in the United States, the banks probably around the world, but the United States, the interest rate, the um, Federal Reserve interest rate is at an all-time low, and um, you know, interest rates are somewhere around two percent. Banks, and uh, particularly com- uh, commercial banks. Um, are basically not investment banks, but commercial banks are crying. Uh, oh, we're not making any money. It's just two percent. You know, we can, most we could charge four percent. They ain't crying that hard because the way they get, they they're making their money now, they're making their money now off of overdraft fees. Yeah. So when you when your check bounces and they want it to bounce, the, um, the, you yeah. know they start charging forty fifty dollars for every uh, you know to cover the overdraft fees. So they're making hand over foot. I forgot how many billions of dollars now they're uh, making just off of that and also of your late fees. Um, so right. uh, banks and finance companies are really into making sure that you're late because that's that's, that's straight money for them. Um, and yeah. it's over and above what the current um, you know Federal Reserve uh, rates are, are, are at today. Yeah. So they, they're going to get it. And so, I mean, I don't, I, I could go on, I could do a whole show about about budgeting, but I just want you to understand how we get, how the rich get richer, right? Uh, because, you know, it's not enough for us to say, well, you know, you know the system is rigged. Okay, 
Ooh, that, that's really deep. We need to know how it's rigged. What, right. we, should be to, we should be able to explain how it's rigged and, and what our relationship between that and how it, it, it further increases the class struggle that we're talking about. We're talking about the Commons Manifesto in the time of class struggle. We are in a time of class struggle because the wealth, most of the, the income gains, most of the wealth gains have gone to the top 1%, right? So that you can have 64 families own more wealth than half the fucking population, right? Most people, they do not, most people in this country do not own a home. They don't own no property, right? They have to rent it out. And you don't really own your home, and most people don't finish paying it off until they're fucking almost dead, right? But, you know, most people don't, they don't own their home. They're a bourgeois class that owns a humongous amount, you know, a humongous amount of property across the country, right? You, you might be renting from somebody. You, you don't even know who you're paying your rent to anymore. You don't even know who owns your property anymore. You might have a landlord, but that's not the person you pay. That's not the person who owns it. That person who has a job, too. You don't know... Who you own that stuff to? I was talking to my also one more thing I want to say about this. I know it's a lot of a lot of bit of a side, but Carl, I was I think I told you about my barber. You know, my barber has a little place, three three guys, three brothers, in there. And so one day I was, we were standing outside one of the barbers. I think one of the barbers he either owns it or he's the one that got the, his name on the on the on the lease or whatever. But yeah, he's he's still he, they've been there for like over between between twenty or thirty years. And Carl, to this day, they still don't own that little barbershop. They still don't own it. I asked them, well, who the fuck own it? We said, well, somebody in L.A. So basically, you know, he's never going to own that place. And so he's getting ripped off month after month after month. You see my point? And, 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 and the person who owned it in L.A. probably bought it from somebody else who bought it from somebody else. It just goes around and around, huh? And it's nothing but a little, little small little shop. Ain't no bigger than some people's kitchen in their home. Right, but this person is paying this month after month after month. This is how we get ripped off, right? This is how we do it. We, we sell our labor. We 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 have to rent. And and in the in the manifesto, that's the reason why there's a, a a lot of discussion about in this thing in the manifesto about the notion of getting rid of property ownership. Now that that just fucks up some capitalists, dude. Oh hell no, we can't get rid of. We can't get rid of it. What you mean get rid of property ownership? Oh, hell no. That, that's, that's, my, that's my wealth right there. Because back in the day, back in the day, when a, when you, when you, if you were to ask a farmer what the, what, what, what to, just, to define the, the economics, who would, what would they say, Carl, if, if you said, define for me economics? Most likely, a farmer could do that fairly yeah. Part to his land, he part to his, his cows, yeah, he part to the crops he he plants. Uh, yeah. He could he he could talk about you know he takes it to the market and he gets uh, you know he sells his goods and then you know he used that money to plow back into the business and the rest to to live on. It, it, it's fairly straightforward. Try that to explain right. it but to he people understood today. That that, he, that what he produced was tied to. Wealth accumulation, right? He understood mm-hmm. the relationship between that. Go read uh, John Steinbeck's The Grapes of Wrath. You know, if you want to do like a little novel, right? You know, you don't like the novel. Go read that and you'll understand that. Seriously. He even have a book on, he even have a chapter on dialectics in there, told through a story. 
I'm not kidding you. So, so go read the go read the grapes of wrath by John Steinbeck. But my point is right. He the farmer will point to his land because he understood that that's what he produced. We can't understand. We can't. We can't break that down like we like we need to like today. I mean, we still got factories and things like that. We still got most factories offshore now, but still, you know, those those factories produce things. But if say, for example, if you were a teacher, or you are even if you're a doctor, your relationship to the means of production is different because you're providing a service, so that every time that you produce, so every time that you go in and you you know you teach a class, you're not producing a car. You're not producing a, a computer, right? You're producing, you know, you're, you're into the knowledge business. You're in the information, right? You're providing a service. So it's hardest for you to see your relationship to, econ- to the economic system because you're not producing anything, right? And, and really, in, in a lot of ways, capitalism sees the, the, the service class as, as less important, even though it, it, it's essential, but less important than that, that, than that uh, the manufacturing, because that's where you have direct production of goods, of goods, right? So you, you understand what I'm saying, Carl? Right, 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 right. That's it. And, 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 that's it. and that's the part that makes it really, really tough for people uh, to clearly understand um, the working class and the proletariat today, because you know, people walk around in America thinking I'm part of the middle class or I'm part of, you know, I'm just poor. Well, no, um, uh, most working people are, are poor. The working class, vast majority of the working class is poor. Yes, we compared to most countries around the world, yes, we have more millionaires and billionaires, but and, and people seek to be in this social strata called the middle class where they have, own a home, which they don't really own, but they pay notes on it, but in uh, a car and, a, and live in a suburban life and be able to take a vacation, that's what they perceive what is being part of the middle class. That's not part of the middle class. And what Marx describes as part of the middle class is, is, is a question of their relationship to production. The middle class is really someone in the middle. He's not, he's not necessarily a, a working class person because he owns his own small business, but he's not necessarily a bourgeoisie because he's got to work at his business. So he's working at the place he owns. He's like, in many ways, like the, the small farmer. Um, he's working at a place that he owns. So that's truly what it is to be um, the middle class. Now, that group is, is, is decreasing and getting smaller and smaller because capitalism has a continuous need to, particularly large industries and large businesses or large anything, needs to continue to grow, to expand, and to wipe out the smaller smaller folks. Remember, Kmart started out like any other, you know, uh, store or hardware store or, or a supply store like anyone else. Come out of some backwood place in, I, I don't know, uh, Oklahoma or someplace. And the thing was is that they were able to connect into the globalization to get goods cheaply to produce, to sell goods and undercut all the other small hardware stores or office supply stores or other stores that were providing similar kinds of uh, items that uh, uh, that that Kmart was providing. In America, they used to have these huge, what they used to be called, five and dying stores. That's where you go in and get your 
you know, uh, you know your cheap, you know, your utensils, your pots and pans, or whatever, anything else. They're gone. It's all Kmart. Kmart is where you buy most of your your goods from around the world because of the fact they they were able to. Uh, when the opening up of cheap labor from China and the, the former Soviet Union, but particularly China, and because China had these small steel industries, they were able to produce goods cheaply, quickly, get a ship, uh, what they call just-in-time uh, shipping uh, uh, here in America, and they beat out and crush and destroy. So you had Kmart, you had Home Depot, you have Bars and Nobles, you have um, Office Mac and Office Depot. I mean, the, 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 what we call the big box stores basically um, crush the middle class, and and that is what's taking place. It has nothing to do. With, you know, you hear these some of these middle class uh, businesses like whining and complaining about, you know, oh my gosh, it's because it's the cheap labor. No, you, you, your big ass capitalists here basically wipe you out, basically took exactly. you over. Because <laughs> all the wealth, because all the wealth is going to the top. You see, the top. and that's, that's the reason why you, you mentioned Walmart and Home Depot. You, do you realize those people, who, the, the, those who own those companies, they are they are adamantly um, opposed to unionizing. I mean, they they almost put it into the contract to, to when you even work there, like you will not be involved in trying to to, to unionize uh, yourself, and, and because they know. They know at the end of the day, if you unionize, it's going to put a challenge on their wealth accumulation, right? It's going to, it's going to give you more rights. So the Communist Manifesto says of all the classes that stand face-to-face with the bourgeoisie today, that's today back then and today now, today. the proletariat alone is a, revolution, is a really revolutionary class. Now, he was correct back then. I think that, that, that the, the notion of the working class, that we have lost our working class consciousness. If we That's had right. a working class consciousness in this fucking country, Trump would have, 45 would have never made it. He would have never made within, you know, 10 feet of the White House. He never would have been there. But because we lost that consciousness, because, and, and that's the reason why you have people like the Koch brothers. You know, you read this book by uh, Dark Money. It will it will clearly show you that the that the that the, uh, the 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 amount of money that these millionaires and billionaires pour into keeping the working class from organizing. I mean, they are fundamentally scared of that, right? Now, most people think, well, you know, it's so rigged, there's nothing I really can do. Yeah, my lady, you don't want to do shit, but yet and still, they're still so scared that they're willing to pump out millions and billions of dollars, right, into political parties to keep your ass asleep, right, or to, to convince other people that, to, particularly the, 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 uh, 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 the petty bourgeois and the, and the working class, to keep those elements thinking, well, you know, my interests are tied with the, the interests of the Walmart, of, of the Walmart family. We just, right, right. you know, their interest is my interest, right? That's just like, that's like Malcolm X talked about with slavery. You know, the difference between the field Negro the and the house Negro. Negro. The house Negro had, he, he saw him and the, in, in, in the slave owner as one. You know, they, we have the same interest, right? But the field Negro didn't, didn't see that. We need, we as working class need to see ourselves as field working class people, not somebody who's up in it. Because That's the right. class will buy off the politicians, they buy off 
the uh, the Democratic Republican Party. That's the reason why they always come to work for them. They even as much as as much as Obama was was trying to say he was down for the people, right? They bought his ass off too. He was going he was going to remember his campaign back in the day. He was not going. He was going to try to be like Bernie. I'm not going to I'm not going to use any uh, 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 APAC. What's it called? APAC money or whatever. I'm not going to use any of that. But he wound up doing it, didn't he? And so, mm-hmm. that's and super so pack like, money. The super pack money, right? It's, thank you. So, like, look, they they buy him off, and 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 that book, Dark Money, I'm telling you, that's just because it's a depressing ass book, okay? But I'm gonna tell you, <laughs> I just finished reading it this weekend, and I'm gonna tell you, it will show you just how much that mm-hmm. they they the the coach the coach the coach brothers the coach brothers whatever the name is, mm-hmm. they they oh. have they have conferences, man. They have conferences to talk about how do we do we influence the political party, the political landscape. They pour in millions of dollars. They they lost money trying to back Romney when he ran, right? They didn't want to. They didn't want to. They didn't want to. They didn't want to back Trump because they couldn't. They couldn't. They couldn't control him, right? But they will. They they funnel money to these local as well as national elections. Because they realize they're crystal clear, like like Mark says in here, he says that um, every class struggle is a political struggle. It's a political struggle. It's not just economic, but yeah, it's right. also political. And we're this cool. is what people get. This is what they, un- they misunderstand. That is both class and political, and that's the reason why this bourgeois class will pours in money to convince you. That freedom means that you don't need a fucking union. That freedom right. means that uh oh well you know I can go I got the freedom to go out and buy a car shit. You know that ain't no freedom. Your ass every day you got to wake up and sell yourself. That's what we got to do every day, particularly if you're working in in a, in, in, in a place where somebody's hiring your labor. Now you may have a little bit more freedom if you are um, a bourgeois yourself or you self-employed. And you contract yourself out. You know, you may have a little bit, a little bit more control of, over your time and, and, and your your skills, right? I, I I totally get that. But for the the vast majority of people, they're working for the bourgeois class. They're working for a corporation. They're working for what do you call those uh, uh some kind of uh what do you call those those cha- store chain or whatever chain of uh, you know McDonald's or whatever. They're, they're working for somebody, right. and you're selling your labor. And they're making money off your labor. You make your paycheck probably in the first fucking day or two that you work every week, and the rest of the other week goes to them. Seriously. One, one, one of the things, uh, and, and we're going to pivot a little bit, um, uh, go into the, the to the next chapter too. But the ending of the first chapter, the first section, is really important because today, um, what made the Communist Manifesto was so powerful was up until then, most books on agitation was talking about the morality of how bad the system was. They didn't say the capitalist system. They just said how bad it was. I think Owen, to a certain extent, said, uh, Robert Owen, to a certain extent, said how bad the capitalist system. But he didn't, he didn't call it out as a historical phenomenon. He didn't call it out for the, the, uh, in a way that, the, the the connection of the political and the economic and, and the class in, in a historical context. But I want to read this point because it speaks to the point where people um, think that 
um, you know, if we all we have to do is make everybody wealthy, and if the rich could get richer, you know, we'll have the trickle down theory where folks will, uh, you know, life will get better. That's an interesting point he makes here, where he says um, the modern laborer, on the contrary, instead of rising with the progress of industry, sinks deeper and deeper below the conditions of existence of his own class. He become a pauper, and pauperism developed more rapidly than population and wealth. Remember that. It develops, the, you can get, it, more people get, become faster, become poor than the mm-hmm. population growth or the growth of wealth. And here has become evident that the bourgeoisie is unfit any longer to be a ruling class in society and to, to impose its condition of existence upon a society as an overriding law. It is unfit to rule because it is incompetent to assure an existence to its slaves within his slavery because it cannot help letting them sink into such a state that, that it has to be that it has to feed him instead of being fed by him. Society can no longer live under this bourgeoisie. In other words, it existed is no longer compatible with society. Now, remember, we're only talking about the bourgeoisie. This isn't about a single man. This is not mm-hmm. a single man theory. This is a bourgeois class theory. It is not a simply an American phenomenon. There are billionaires in China. There is billionaires in Russia. There's, you know, the billionaire in Russia who uh, 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 who controls the natural gas, uh, controls basically who controls the natural gas in Russia, controls Russia. It's not Putin. <laughs> Putin just do their, their dirty work for him. These guys right. are the ones that the bourgeoisie who have $16.5 billion in wealth. Mm. I ain't talking right. about loans. They they ain't like you where you have a you got your house which is a hundred thousand dollars and that hundred thousand dollars is all note you, you didn't put it wealth means there ain't no note on it that's pure that's pure capital to make money you have whether in Mexico whether you in Peru whether you in you know India whether you in Australia whether you in some far cor- corner of you know. Uh, uh, some Slavic place way out, you know, uh, in the Baltics or someplace. There's a billionaire making a living off of the working class, and this this uh, analysis, this stark reality, to lay it out there clear about what the capitalist system is about. It's wickedness, it's, it's dastardly deeds, it's, it's, it's exploited and, and vicious nature of it and, and, and how it operates and, 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 and affects the, the working class, both making sure that we're not class conscious. It's, it's all of that which makes this particular book or pamphlet so powerful, so in your face. There's no other material that simply says, in your face, I call you out. I say the emperor has no clothes, and here you are, and this is what you are all about. All the other ones will squirt around it. They will talk about if we could change this man, life will be better, and we will all live as hunky-dory. Oh, if we can get rid of, you know, you know, just don't be so racist, don't be so sexist. We, you know, we could all live as, you know, uh, happy ever after. 
at the end of the day, the nature of the capitalist system in of itself is, 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 needs to be removed, pulled out, yanked out, stripped out, whatever it takes. That is what, what he's talking about. And he talks about it in a historical context, the mission of the proletariat, that what they ought to be doing uh, to, you know, as, as a political struggle, not as the simply an economic struggle. He says fundamentally this is about politics. Fundamentally, there is a struggle to liberate all people. If the the proletariat role is to liberate all, not just itself, but in the process, it liberates all. And that's what makes this um, document so powerful, so influential, and continues to reverberate throughout all, all since 1848 to to you know 2017. Will soon be 2018. Yeah, but you know, I think I think what people, uh, you know, what I think is so hard for people to grasp, you know, in, in terms of what you're saying, in terms of that why it's so powerful, you know, is is because one, we, we, we like we like that we like that consciousness, right? We like that consciousness, but at the same time, we do have to recognize that a, a real revolution, and I, and I really we said this before in past shows, I don't want a revolution that is that is a dictatorship, and I don't want no dictatorship or the proletariat. That means I don't want this one segment of the population being able to dictate what's going on throughout the rest of the population. A real revolution to me, a real social revolution means that people are at a level or, or particularly the working class are at a higher consciousness level. Right? So Marx talked about right before the there's a couple of paragraphs before you read, Carl, he said that the proletarian movement is the self conscious independent movement of the immense majority in the interest of the immense majority. The, the proletarian self-consciousness or the, 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 that kind of consciousness to me cannot be one about, about a selfish, uh, selfishness. In other words, you can't say that, okay, I'm in a union, so I'm going to protect my union rights, but screw up the other sectors of the, of the population. So there's, right. so there's going to be, there, there are union workers, but there's going to be non-union workers. So there are unions have to fight in, 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 in uh, not only for themselves but everybody else. The, 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 uh, one of the unions that uh, I really have always admired is, is the nurses' union, at least in terms of my limited you know, uh, uh, experience with them. But, but I remember back in the day when we were in, in Occupy, the, the nurses' union was one of the first ones out there, you know, and, and even before SEIU came around. And, and, and they have always reminded me, at least the ones I've met, that, that, you know, they were not only talking about themselves as nurses, and, and, I, and I guess this happens because, they, you know, they care for people, right? This is what they do. But, but they also were concerned about everybody else. You know, they, they, they literally could have, they didn't have to come out to Occupy, and they could have just done their thing and pushed for their rights, which they do. But they're also there because they're also concerned about everybody else. So I want to, I, I, I advocate a, a, a social revolution that is that is that this encompassing of all classes, and that it also tries to make the capitalist class <laughs> conscious that they're fucking they're fucking up shit. We know that you're rich, we know that you're greedy, we know that you got you know you got anything you can have anything you want, right? But you got to yeah, understand. But, but the that capitalist you, that, class, that you, but the capitalist, the, yeah, but the capitalist class is not very. You may have one that will come over to your mm-hmm. side, but the vast majority yeah, will not because they, they, their, their oxygen is, is – is, we create the oxygen yeah. for them. 
And so the working class create the oxygen. When we talk about we're going to take control, in their mind they they go berserk. And it's any any time the oppressed people decides to liberate themselves, they go really I mean literally berserk. They'll go in mass killings. Um, they did yeah. it to the Paris Commune when they uh, um, it, 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 African uh, uprisings that have taken place. It's like mass killing that they will commit in order to protect their particular system. I think. Let me let yeah. me also uh, uh, clarify also on the question of dictatorship or the proletariat um, because it's oftentimes it's an abused term, and then we'll have to go into. Um, property uh, and talk a little bit more between personal property and capital property. But um, the the dictatorship of the proletariat that Marx talks about and uh, was was a term that he used to describe that the working class needs to protect their interests. And it says that you don't go and make a revolution and party all night long uh, or have Mm -hmm. endless meetings and have discussion while the, while the, the uh, the ruling class who are out of power are, are plotting and, and, and working to get back in power by any means necessary. That's what happened to the Paris Commune. So the Paris Commune, they you know once they rose up, they you know they set up the, all these barricades and then they went to have these endless meetings. And so while they were having all these endless meetings for these declaration of this and so forth, the you know the the ruling class was outside. Uh, decide you know the the French bourgeoisie decided to hook up with the the Prussian bourgeoisie and said, well we ain't fighting no more. The war is over between us. Let's unite. Let's this, our common enemy is the working class. So basically, they have to make sure that they you know destroy the old state, recreate a new state to protect you know, what they have done. And that's what Lenin demonstrated and show. The problem has been is that it's been uh, um, uh, twisted and misused by those um, in Stalin and even a little before Stalin, because it is not simply Stalin. It was, you know, even some of the others had articulated that, you know, hey, you know, we're getting assassinated. We did this and that. We don't trust nobody. And so they went after you know, uh, and didn't trust anyone. So it, it's, and it worked to the favor of Stalin in the sense that it consolidated power among him. But when he talks about it, it is talked about it in terms of a class that is protecting its interest, protecting what it is won, um, uh, you know, by force. Um, and it's clearly, you can't, you can't, you can't go up to, you know, uh, 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 and, 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 and if you, if you, if it's not clear to y'all, Go up to a Russian bourgeoisie and ask them, we want to, you know, uh, we want you, I know you're the lion and I'm the sheep, so let's sit down and let's work this out. They'll, they'll take you out. They'll t- you know, it's not like the U.S. where we take you out by the, you know, the legal means. They take you out by, you know, just, you know, military means. They just shoot you or throw you over, off the roof or whatever else is taken necessary. So it, it clearly... Clearly, that's what they mean by protection, of, you know, dictatorship. But it should not be about one person, and it should be about the working class, as you described. The working class, once they're in power, must work for the benefit of, of all, recognize it. It's going to restrict rights for the bourgeoisie. It is not going to oh, let yeah. the bourgeoisie come back and says that, you know, every, we're going to, you know, because uh, the bourgeoisie said my right is to make billions. That's the libertarian. We should have the right to make business. No, you don't. Right. You don't have no right to but do that. Mean, what, but what I but what I but what I mean too is is that you say we we you know it's not even just one 
they come to power, but we got to be doing it now. I mean, in other words, right. you know, in other words, right. we, this is part of this, part of what this show right now is about. He's saying, look, we got to say we understand that there are people working different. I mean, particularly in modern in modern economies, global economies, people work in different sectors, right? So people, you do have people living in the manufacturing, traditional manufacturing field. You even still, some countries still got agricultural workers. But we're, 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 we're such a broad sector of workers there. You got people, a lot of people now, and it's going to be increasingly people work for themselves. You know, they contract out their labor to somebody else. You have uh, virtual assistants, you know. So, so it's hard for people to see uh, uh, some class, uh, working class solidarity, right? Mm-hmm. When you got one sector that works in the factory, and we don't really never see those people. They just in a they're in a factory unless you know somebody in your family or you live in a town where people are working there. And then you got this other set. You got another sector that you know that that works in a uh, in the government. Another sector that works into you know in the in the stores and in in the restaurants. So the the, the left has got to help people see that we all belong to that mm-hmm. same class. And I think that's right. what the uh, occupiers you know kind of capitalize that when he talked about the 99% versus the 1%. Well, yeah. I mean, it's like most of us are, you know, like we're not, we don't own, you know, we don't own wealth. We don't own the means of production. We are exploited by it. So even if you work for yourself, even if you contract yourself out, you're still being exploited by having to, when you earn your money or, you know, when you earn what you call your wealth, you're giving it right back. Uh, to the bourgeois class in, 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 in terms of things that they own. So we have to see that we are all in the same class, and that's, what I, that's the most important thing. And I know we need to get on the, to, to chapter, uh, to, to part two. I just wanted to point out one more thing in here. Um, shit, I just fucking lost it here. Damn, I lost it. But, but yeah, I just want, but I, you know, oh, the point it was, too, is that you got to understand, too, that as powerful as the bourgeois class is, they still depend upon the proletariat. He talked about it, I forget where he talked about it in here, but they, they still depend upon the proletariat. Because, see, listen, what, what our modern progressive movements have, typically are now is that you get out and you protest. And a lot of the protests are around, you know, kind of identity politics, and which is, which is when you have the women's, the women's uh, march, you know, that was right. that was really tied to gender, right? You had Black Lives Matter tied to race. Those movements are important. But the one that's gonna hurt the capitalist the capitalist the most is the working class proletariat movement. If we say you had a nationwide fucking strike, right? So if Labor Day was not about just going out and buying shit and you know, for a Labor Day sale, which is such bullshit. But if the Labor Day was really about people saying, no, motherfucker, we're going to take, uh, 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 we're going to go on strike. We're going to go on strike until we get this, 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 and these kind of demands. That would fuck up capitalism. That would, that would scare the shit out of, out of your bourgeois class, as rich as they are, as wealthy as they are. If you had a working class, particularly worldwide, right, then if you had that kind of, that kind of consciousness, Dude, we could turn this thing around. You see, you got you talk about immigration, for example. People having to leave Mexico and try to come over here to find to find jobs. So, well, well, suppose that the working class here, United States, and the working class in Mexico were united against a common bourgeois class. 
man, this whole immigration thing <laughs> wouldn't be a problem. This would not be a problem because that's the reason why people are having to leave one country to go to another country because they're trying to find better working conditions. That's why they have to do that a lot of times. So we have to build a consciousness that is, that is not only, a, 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 you know, you know, just like a, a, a working class country in the United States, but one that's even broader than that. But maybe we just get started with the United States. Shit, we lost so much consciousness here that we got to, you know, we got to start somewhere. But start building that working class consciousness, build a movement, so that when you do go on strike, it's going to hurt the capitalist economy. It's going to hurt the bourgeois class. It's going to hurt them significantly. And if you can't do that, if you can't do that, I'm not sure that we can ever really bring about change until we get to that point. We have to get to the point where we have to hurt the, the capitalist infrastructure. We've got we to gotta have strikes. We've got to be able to, to combat um, their, their, their infrastructure in terms of the technological infrastructure. It's much bigger than it was back, than, than back in Mark's day. It's a hell of a much bigger, but it's not impossible, and they know it. And, and one of the things he says in that chapter, he says, the bourgeoisie itself therefore supplies the proletariat with its own instruments of political and general education. In other words, it furnishes the proletariat with weapons for fighting the bourgeoisie. Isn't that some beautiful shit? Okay. Because what you're saying, well, shit, you know, capitalism is giving me a lot, you know, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, it's giving, it's giving you a lot because it depends upon your ass. It depends on you as a worker. But what you don't know is that, you're, that the skills that it's giving you Right, or that you gain from, from being within it, you can utilize that to liberate yourself. We can utilize those skills to liberate ourselves from this free market, competitive, exploitative economic system because that's what it is. You got to wake up tomorrow morning, you got to go out there, you got to make some more money, and you got to spend some more money. That's what the fuck we do every day, day in and day out. There ain't no freedom in that. There's no freedom in that. But anyway, part part two. Part two. Part two, part two is um, it, it actually starts with uh, what is the relationship uh, to the communist stance to the proletariat whole. This part two is, in many ways, um, a piece that was rigidly written by um, Engels on the Catechism of Communism, and Marx rewrote it um, to actually you know, give framework for uh, the proletariat to understand what does it means to be communist and, what, and, and, and particularly the arguments that were raised against the communists. The first argument that was raised against communists was that all you guys want to have your own separate stuff. Well, no, we're, we do not form separate parties or interests separate from the working class. So we will work um, alongside of the working class, we, it may not necessarily be as advanced as, as, as politically conscious, but we will work with to help develop, move them along, um, get the working class to understand its uh, interests. So our our interests can't be separate from the from the proletariat. You know, there are those who, you know, uh, and I remember those in the 70s where, you know, they talked about, man, we're going to have a revolution today, and all we have to do is go out and do this stuff. And, and, and we had no relationship, no connection to the, to the working class or the oppressed people. We, you know, we read some books, and we knew we, this is what needed to be done. 
that's not what a communist do. A communist is part of what Mao Zedong used to say, like fishes in the sea. We're integrated with the masses. We learn from them. We, we are part of them. They, they are part of us. They are, are the genuine communists who once become class conscious, become part of a party, and, and become part of a political movement. That is what we, um, what we do. A communist, in terms of the question of, of private property, we are opposed to private property, but we're not opposed to personal property. So you can keep your little, you know, your 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 ching chings or your little shiny objects you have wearing around your necks or those kinds of things. Um, but when it comes to uh, private property, we're talking about capital. We're talking about capital property. We're talking about it in the sense that uh, that produces wealth, uh, whether it's uh, uh, General Motors or. Uh, you know, the, you know J.P. Morgan, this is massive. And they're already large and socialized because there's so many people are interconnected and a part of it. Our role is to, as, uh, uh, when the working class coming to power, is to really to politically and economically socialize that. So the, 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 the wealth that is accumulated from the, those capital property is distributed among many and not among the few. It also talks about the relationship of different types of property. One of the question, the question of the family. Now, you know, if, all you have to do, if you want to look for a good example of a bourgeois family, just take a look at Donald Trump family. They have no understanding. Oh, let me put this way: they do have a bourgeois understanding in a family because family to Donald Trump is all about capital and money. They have a cash relationship to his wife. Once they get old and wrinkled, he jumps him and moves on to somebody else. Uh, you know, he constantly looks at women as part of property. He even looks at his kids as part of property or property generating. I mean, he even looks at his daughter in terms of, you know, how good they look as, as part of property and values that they, uh, 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 for him. They distort that whole relationship. Communists... It um, actually restores and, and have a positive relationship in the sense that women are not property. They're not valued as a commoditized entity to, to, uh, uh, as part of both social life but also personal life. They are, they are, they are um, human beings in equal relationship to everything that men do, and, and, and they should not be viewed as some form of property. But all you have to do is just look at Donald Trump, typical example of a bourgeoisie. And then the the last piece, and then we're going to go back and, and, and cover it in a little bit more detail. For you young people, I, I know you guys are just waking up in the, in the Black Lives Matter movement, and and, and basically you, you say from your elders came up with the idea of the 10-point platform, the Black Panther Party. But you didn't know that back in 1848, Karl Marx had a 10-point platform. Uh, it, it wasn't started by the Black Panther Party. I mean, way back in, you know, almost 200 years, this cat came up with a 10-point platform. And, you know, it concluded, you know, abolition of property and land and the application of all rent of land to public purposes, you know, progressive taxation, equal obligation of all to work. I mean, these are really basic platforms. They were not um, – there were, was a platform for reform. They were not necessarily for revolution, but at the time they were revolutionary ideas. These were something that people say was strictly common. Oh man, you don't you don't uh, 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 have a progressive taxation policy. That's that's going to hurt the system. Well, we do have one. It's all 
gut it and cut up now and turned into a regressive. But when it originally came into existence at the turn of the century, it was more of a progressive taxation. That's what income tax was for. So it, all of that was part of the first piece of uh, of the second chapter. So, yeah, and, and I want to go back and you know, kind of break in down into some of that because it's really important. Uh, I know that I know a lot of people get some. I've heard people get upset about the whole notion of the of uh, the bourgeois family. They kind of misunderstood that because they were trying to say the Marxists against you know family tradition and all that. So we, we'll we'll get into that too. Very important. But but in in the in the uh, second page of the uh, the um, second chapter, um, he talked about the. Um, he says all property relations in the past have continuously been subject to historical change consequent. Upon the change in historical conditions The French Revolution For example Abolished feudal property In favor of, in favor of bourgeois property Now so now that, I'm reading that because I know I know, I know people out there right now That, that notion of property thing I don't, you know, That don't sound good to me Like you put The communists want to take, take our stuff so I, And I've heard it, I've heard it a thousand times Okay Listen, like Carl said, we ain't talking about your private stuff. I don't care. Cause anybody, listen to me. Ain't nobody taking some of my stuff. I, I don't. I don't want people taking my stuff. I don't want anybody else's stuff. But why did? Why the reason why there was a change? I know you. I know that you you were, you heard about this in high school. You should have. But in that in that feudal property, you remember the kings and the queens. They own all kind of. They all all the fucking land. I don't know how in the fuck they convince people of this shit, but. They convince everybody else that every everywhere you go, we own the shit, and you you got to work for us, you got to pay taxes to us, you know you got you got you matter of fact you got to build us a big ass castle and shit. I don't know to this day. I mean, I need to go back and read it. I don't know how the fuck, but this wasn't back in the day when you know you hit people. Well, I knew I do know now. They, they did it by by amassing an army. Most most motherfuckers back then were illiterate, <laughs> illiterate like a motherfucker. So they and they had religion. So they convince people somehow that they are the feudal family, and that you you need to like uh, give everything to us. So that's reason why you had this big king, and and, uh, and that's why people even still admire that shit to the day. You know the kings and the queens, right? But that's what they did. I mean, literally, you have these 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 these, these uh, kingdoms, right? They own vast amounts of property, vast amount of wealth, any kind of. Uh, Thing that was that was um, that was used for, for food or whatever they own that shit too. So, so the rebel, the bourgeois revolution says, wait a minute, no, nah, like we're going to spread the wealth here, right? You can't you can't just go to the feudal king and queen class, right? We got skills, we got labor, we should be able to have land and own it. And we, but the bourgeois class is saying we want to own it so that we can turn back around and sell it too. They didn't want to have the liberation of property for everybody. They wanted to find a way that says, how can I own some shit, then I can turn it back around and then, then sell it to somebody else. I, I remember back in the day, Carl, we used to have the um, after liberation day ceremony, right, out in the park. So the vendors, now this is a little minute little, little, minute little example, but the vendors come and they want to sell stuff. You know, they sell stuff to the people. Well, you know, a couple of times the vendors say, Vendors will come up and ask us, can you, can you stay at my table? So I go down to Walmart and buy a case of soda or, or, or whatever or even a bottle of water 
come back and sell it, okay, at a higher price for the people in the park. It's still there to the end. People buy it wholesale, right, and they come back around, and they sell it at a higher price. Well, this is, that's, that's kind of a little bit of an example of the bourgeois class. They said, look, we want to see your property. We want to be able to find, say, oil reserves, you know, find oil, get that shit out the ground, and resell it. Now, we know the oil was here long before, long before we even knew this, we even thought about it, right? Mm-hmm. So the, 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 the wealth belongs, should belong to everybody. The wealth that we're talking about, the property we talked about, should belong to everybody. Now, it might be true that an oil company may build uh, the, 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 uh, the, the, the tools to get the oil off the ground. I get that. There are people who, have, people who may build buildings to put on the property, but the property itself, the wealth itself, right, why do they get to own it? Why do they get to be able to, to, to take what it should belong to everybody? This is what Native Americans, you know, understood. You know, they, they, they all belong to everybody. You can't just, they didn't even understand this notion of, of possession, right? But European bourgeoisie, for, 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 for the most part, were, were about, you know, owning, owning things, right? Mm-hmm. And so when we own shit like that, then what we do is it, it creates this competitive thing between us all the time. So it creates that those who do own and those who don't own. Most of us don't own. Right, and I ain't talking about your little iPhone, or I'm not talking about the your the bed and the clothes, or your your Beatles album, whatever the fuck, all the games you play. Without you know, I ain't talking about this shit. That that is no consequence. But That's but it's right. the things that but but what is on in that is the things that produces those things that you personally own. Somebody's gotten ownership of that. And so that's the reason why you saw the, the scramble for Africa, for example. The Europeans went out and said, shit, they found out that Africa got all this, all this wealth, resources, right? Cobalt, right? All the other kind of natural resources. That's why it was a scramble. It was a scramble to get there to, to, to possess that stuff, right? And part, parts of Africa probably didn't even understand the notion of ownership. You know what I mean? The time to happen. So now, even to this day, you still got to scramble for even so the, whatever surviving resources that have not been owned or possessed. Bourgeoisie class is struggling for that, fighting for that, right? And, and not right. this material thing now. Now is how can we copper, copyright political? I mean, uh, uh, what do they call it? Uh, and, uh, the non-material uh, property, uh, intellectual property. Yeah, intellectual right? property. They, they want to figure out how can we own intellectual property. <laughs> you know, we want to because when you own shit, then you can become a drug dealer. Because what you own, and if people want it bad enough, you can set the price with the market will bear. See what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And so, so mm-hmm. therefore, that we are in the, in, the, in the notion. This creates a notion of buying and selling. This is all the fuck that we do. Is we either we buying shit or we selling shit. That's what we do. That's what you do. Right? You either selling yourself right. or you selling yourself and goods. But that's what you do. And I'm like, how in the fuck this is this is a really bad way to live. This is a really bad way to live. Why is it that we got enough resources for everybody? 
Even That's with right. 7 billion people on the planet, we still got enough to feed everybody on the planet. Everybody. But we can't do it. We can't do it if you have the notion of bourgeois property. See what I'm saying? That's why we got to get rid of that. That's the reason why. Bernie talked about it. Bernie talked about it a little bit too. Right? Even though he's not a revolutionary socialist. I'm saying that he understood that wealth ownership means that everybody else has to struggle. Right? Everybody else has to struggle. And we shouldn't have to do this, particularly in this modern age. Of uh, We're in a modern age. And so that's what the, the property thing about. And, and, the, and the notion of, of, of freeing up property has it changed. He talked about it in the, in the manifesto. From the feudal property to the bourgeois property. Now we want to go from the bourgeois property to the people's property. Doesn't that sound better? Mm-hmm. The property belongs to everybody. That we share the property, right, so that everybody can benefit. It ain't about, do well, people just want to get shit for free. Would you please stop saying that? Everybody getting nothing free. Motherfuckers work every day. People, if you're going to have property and you're going to have things and you're going to produce things, you've got to work to do it. So everybody can work. Everybody can contribute to it directly, indirectly. But every, ain't nobody getting shit for free. You always think somebody's trying to come and get your shit. That ain't what it's about. It's saying we're trying to free up stuff so that we ain't got to be sitting here living our fucking life buying and selling shit. I get so tired of hearing it. And, I mean, I have to do it. I got to sell shit, too. I ain't going to lie. I got to sell shit. What I'm saying is, it's like, that's so fucking boring. That's so fucking backwards. We ain't got to do this anymore. But we can't do it unless we build that working class consciousness. Is there anything else about property before we move on? Uh, no, I think that it's clear we we need to really make a distinction there as to what we're talking about personal property and, you know, capital property. Um, and it, it, in the book, it, in the pamphlet, the Communist Manifesto, really makes that clear, but it gets distorted and, and you know, the communist is, is looked at as a boogeyman that's going to take your stuff and Really, the the bourgeoisie is taking your stuff. You think you have your car, and the next day you notice it's been repossessed. Um, so uh, you thought you own your house, it's been foreclosed on. Um, you know, you leave something out, and, you know, they come and get it. So the notion that you actually own something as as part of the as part of the working class, you don't. Uh, the bourgeoisie has its tentacles in every aspect of your property life. So that's something that, um, you know, please just kick that idea to the curb. And uh, uh, it, it has no real relevancy in real life. Well, and and, and let, let, me, let, let me read one more thing. God damn. Shit, man. We might need fucking eight shows on this damn thing. Look, he says, <laughs> he says, from the moment when labor can no longer be converted into capital, money, or rent, into a social power capable of being monopolized, i.e. from the moment when the individual property can no longer be transformed into the bourgeois property, into capital, from that moment, you say individuality vanishes. I hear that shit all the fucking time. I do. People are like, well, you know, if we take away people's right to, to own stuff, right, they don't want to do shit. They lose their individualism. But he says, oh, no, fuck no. Here's what he says here. He says, you must therefore confess that by, quote, unquote, individual 
you mean no other person than the bourgeoisie, <laughs> than the middle class owner of property. This person must indeed be swept out of the way and made impossible. Because listen to me, the only motherfuckers that are truly, really free are the ones who own the private property. Oh, if you don't God. own the shit, your ass ain't free. Be clear. You got to understand that. I know mm-hmm. you all into that individualism bullshit. That shit, is, that shit right there is a myth. If you don't own it, if you don't own shit, that means somebody own you. Seriously. That's right. I mean, you just got to come to grips with that. I, you know, I'm telling you. I ain't going to, I ain't, I mean, you know, I love you. You know, I wouldn't tell you this about a lot of people. See what I'm saying? Because I don't own shit. I'm going to say that. I don't own nothing. I don't, I don't even own my fucking iPhone, really. I, really don't even, I ain't even paid that motherfucker off yet. So, and I love the iPhone. I ain't going to lie to you. But I don't own it. You know what I mean? I don't own the resources to put it together. You see what I'm saying? So be clear that when we talk about individualism, you ain't talking about, you talking about those who own shit, those that you pay to. Those are the only people that really are free. And even they are, they're not totally free philosophically because they are dependent upon certain resources. When those resources can't be tied to, to, uh, to capital, as you said, to money, well, then shit, you know, it just drives up. So that's even why this whole environmental thing is, is so important. What happens when you know, fucked up the environment so much that you can't produce shit? That's when right. the environment is not producing the way it needs to. That means everybody gets hurt. And I don't give a fuck if you're a billionaire, your ass gets hurt too. Okay? Yeah. Be clear on that. He, he also says, I, I know, we'll probably have to do six session of this. He also says, this is another argument against don't mess with my private property. It has been right. objected that upon the abolition of private property, all work will cease and universal laziness will overtake. <laughs> Since you don't own nothing, everybody just go get lazy. He says, okay, okay. Says, Let's just use your argument for a moment. According yeah. to this, bourgeois society ought to long ago <laughs> to have gone to the dog through sheer laziness. Right. For those of its members who work acquire nothing, and those who acquire anything do not work. <laughs> exactly. Exactly, Trump. Do you exactly. think Donald Trump worked? You motherfuckers don't work. <laughs> Come do on. Do you think he built Trump Tower? Do you, think, right. do you really think that that motherfucker got out there and picked up a, a hammer? Uh, 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 a drill? He's an Armani suit. He is the ultimate. He's the ultimate bourgeois because he's a property. He's a property owner. He's a realtor. And this is what the, this is what people got pissed off about back in Marx's day. These motherfuckers go around and, and and they usurp property and they go back and sell it to people, right? And if they're not making enough money, they, they kick people out. You remember back in Trump, back in the day when Trump, I read about him trying to get this whole big old uh, rental property. So people were renting some space in New York City, and he wanted it, right? Right. And right. somehow right. They, 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 they came together to fight him. Right. And, and, and he, tried to turn off, he tried to turn off the lights. He tried to make the, the, the water don't work. I mean, really, he, did, he tried to get all this shit to get people to leave out. Well, I'm not right. sure what the end right. of the story was. But I'm saying this is what they do. This is what they do. They they will they, if if they want to go back to this. Well, back in the day when Harlem was, was basically black folks. Well, when the white when the white uh, when the white property owners when they wanted to get back into Harlem, 
shit. Then what do they do? They force people out of there. They force you out. You see what I'm saying? So they can make more money off of it, and they build these big old uh, brownstones and shit like that, right? And that's why you go to San Francisco. Fucking, you can't buy no fucking apartment for under. You can't rent an apartment for less than I don't know what. Uh, shit, five, ten, five thousand dollars a month or some crazy shit a month. Three thousand dollars a month, right? So for everybody going to San Francisco, right? They buy up, they buy up the shit. And if you can't afford to live there, your ass either homeless, why you got huge homeless population there, or you get the fuck out. They don't care about it. They don't give a fuck about what happens to you. So, yeah, no, you're right, Carl. They don't, they don't work shit. They don't work. Motherfuckers don't work. They work. They don't work. Well, let's say this. They do work. They do work at oppressing us. They do do that. That's right. But they don't work in terms of producing the things that they sell, the things that they own. So I'm saying, so it ain't stopping them from being idle. See, they always, motherfuckers, always trying, busy every fucking day, getting organized. They so organized that they'll have you vote for them to go into office. See what I'm saying? You white working class, white working class folk, and some of y'all people of color. I know some of y'all voted for them too. Right? I'm just trying to put the language so you can understand it. It's much more complex, but I'm trying to get it so you can understand it. You voted for him as if he's going to work in your interest. Your little ass is going to have a rude awakening. You should have already gotten it by now, but just in case you need a little bit more time, you'll get it. You will get it, right? And you will wake up one day and realize these motherfuckers ain't working in your interest. They're working in their interest. They will tell you that you're lazy. They will tell you that you need to work harder. They will tell you that you need to work for less and, you know, all that. So the economy can grow While they're ripping off they're Ripping you off You don't even know how they do it You don't even know how they do it You don't even know how they make their wealth You know We need somebody that's wealthy And knows how to run a company Motherfucker, shut the fuck up You don't know anything about how they run the, How they make their wealth to come. You know nothing about how Trump makes his money Nothing I don't either I don't know it totally. And, and, and that's, that's a bad thing That's a bad thing because because until we understand how it happens, then we don't get upset. We be thinking that our relationship, that our our existence is tied with his. That's, that's fucked up. That's a fucked up thing. But no, if 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 you get rid of private property, it doesn't mean if you get rid of private ownership, it doesn't mean people are gonna stop working. There's, no, it's not. We do shit all the time that we don't get paid for. We raise our kids. We don't get paid for. We don't get paid for raising our kids. Right? You're working harder than you ever did. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And you don't get paid now. Work. You, you, you work a double time. You do, it, you do it out of your evolutionary, evolutionary, uh, well, evolution is going to make you do it anyway. But, but, but you do it out of your love of your, of, of your, of your children and the love we have with each other. Right? And that's the reason why we, we're pushing this is because, look, we're saying, look, we do this show because we ain't making money. So if 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 I were to if I were to say, well, you know, like if, if I were to listen to the capitalists, I shouldn't be doing this show. I shouldn't be doing this show at all. <laughs> we shouldn't be doing this. I should be going out making money because that's supposed to make me feel my individualism is supposed to be like, you know, uh exercise because I'm able to make more and more money. That ain't what's happening here. We're trying to say that we can have a better life all of right. us, if we get, get rid of this notion of private property, get rid of it and just learn how to share the shit. 
that doesn't mean everybody's going to live in the exact same fucking house. No, that doesn't mean that. But, but what it could mean, what it could mean is that we could begin to start building uh, economically efficient cities. We can tear down these old ancient structures that, we, that, that, are, that are environmentally destructive, that cost more money to, to maintain. And we can begin to start to have a generation where we can build environmentally efficient uh, structures so that every fucking house has a, uh, what do you call it, um, I got it on my house. I can't even think what the fuck it's called. The uh, sun, the sun. Solar panel. Solar system. Solar panel. Yeah, solar solar panels, right? So we can start. You know, I'm just giving you some small examples that we can relate to, right? So we can. So every place has solar panels, right? Then we can start building uh, 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 roads and infrastructure, right? That that doesn't depend upon cars, right? I mean, we can we can transform these places, but we can't do it if everything is privatized. You can't do that. See, the bourgeoisie, they're not going to do that. They might, they might see some car, some automobile companies, they do see the notion that they got to build an environmentally uh, uh, friendly uh, 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 car. They, they get that already, right? But they're still building cars. They're still building big-ass cars that are hurting the environment, right, that cost a lot of money to produce, right, so they make money. Instead of let's create structures where people can freely move throughout the city and even the countryside, without being so dependent upon the car. I'm not sure we ever get rid of a car, but we can, we can depend upon it less if we right. build that concept. I'm just trying to give you an example of the, if, we, if we get rid of notions of private property, what we can do. So it's not, a, it's not really something, people, that is not like some utopia. I'm, I'm not trying to – I don't want you to look at it like that. It's very, it's very difficult. It's not going to be easy. But it's not impossible. It's just like we went from the, from the feudal class of property to the bourgeois class of property. We're going to the people's class. And that's going to be the hardest one. That's going to be the hardest one because it takes consciousness. It takes, need I, uh, lest I say, love. Having love, a love of humanity. And we're losing that. We're losing a love of humanity. And that's, that's the saddest part. We, we, we're losing a sense of ourselves. And when we do that, we're destroying ourselves the more we do that. And it's this notion of private property that really is the root of, the, of all of that. It really is the root of all of that. And that's the reason why you had that chapter. That's some profound shit, Carl. Mm-hmm. It's very profound. Mm-hmm. Very that's profound. Proud. I mean, I don't even know if we, I don't even know, shit, did we unpack it? The much we, shit, do we need to come back? Or, God damn, uh, yeah, dude. I think we're, we, we, we did, yeah, we'll have to do one more um one more yeah. piece because we didn't, we didn't cover um, the 10 point platform or um, family and religion a little bit. And then yeah, all the, because people get the and then last, the, the last piece, the which is uh, most important is that, uh, well, I wouldn't say most important, all of it's important, but the last piece is he call out all the other socialists um, and yeah. uh, at, uh, of his day. And so why they're, um, you know, their strengths and weaknesses, but most importantly, what makes a communist different from all these others that that were out there? And, and he grouped them together, but it's um, it, it will reflect upon it today about the different groupings of different socialists and communists, and what, what if Marx was around today, how would he would relate to all of these different uh, yeah. socialists and communist yeah. uh, groups that, that exist today? But we do have to come back. Yeah, we so have to do one more. We have to do one we, more. We got to, yeah, we got to do it because. Because folks, you know, people who are listening who made it this far, <laughs> I know it's kind of hard to make it toward the end. 
But I'm like, you know, you really owe it to yourself to, to read the kind of manifesto. I mean, I know that some of that's kind of, um, you know, it's, it's a little bit, the language is a little bit old, you know, it's hard to read it sometimes. But, you know, once you get into the movement, you know, just, just, just do it. You can read it in a day. You can read it in less than a day, actually. But just read it because right. that notion of, of a property is so important. And I know we don't talk about it so much because people are afraid to talk about it. You know, it sounds so, it sounds so like um, somebody's taking something from you that the, state's gonna, the state is going to take something from you. Well, shit, you don't own anything. Like I said, we don't, we don't own anything anyway. So either, so either, you, either we're going to collectivize property for everybody or you're going to give it over to, to, to the bourgeoisie class, the corporate class, right? I mean, you got individuals who own more fucking property in this country. Like I read somebody like Ted Turner owns property in like three or four or five states. I mean, whole swaths of property. How in the fuck did he get it? I mean, how, how in the hell did he amass that? And, 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 and the way you do it a lot of times is the government will uh, actually sell you property. You, you, people didn't know that. The government will sell you property. So, so, so property, was, property was collected. Just think about even before the Europeans got here. How the fuck, what do they used to have called? They used to call it the homesteading. What is that when you go? Right, like you homesteading. Went, you, laid, you laid some stakes and you said, this is my Yeah, this is my yeah homesteading. Yeah. yeah they, homesteading. They also, also, the interesting thing about bourgeois um, property relative, feudal property, you actually get, you got a chance to see it. It's agricultural. It's rural. You saw the boundary. You know, folks, you said, man, just stay off my property or else I'll shoot you. You're my little piece of land. Bourgeois property doesn't necessarily need any land. In fact, most of its property is actually in what is called capital. So a lot of it, is, it, it used to where they had to have own shares of stocks and they used to keep all these paper. They don't even keep paper anymore. It's all online. All their capital is online. They just get reports in terms of how much the wealth has, more wealth has been accumulated. But they own so much property not only in the U.S., but around the world. And they make sure their property, our capital, is constantly moving around, looking for more ways to make more wealth. Yeah. Well, you know, man, we're down to the, we're down to the wire, 33 seconds. I couldn't hardly get the, the music on. I don't want to stop. God damn. <laughs> but look, we're going we're gonna to come back next week. Uh, part three. It might be a yeah, part, part four. Three. I don't know, but... Shit, part three, okay. <laughs> All right, we'll do the part three. God damn. So, we'll do the part three. But, matter of fact, what I'll do, maybe we'll make it for two hours if we have to go that long. Man, this, this, shit is, this shit is deep. It's deep, Carl. But I appreciate it. You, if you listen to the show, let us know what you think, all right? We'll see you back next week. Take care. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. 
That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.